0: Well, hello again. Welcome again to a, another recording, uh, Learning from God. And if you remember last time we got together, we uh, said I, I had to back up a little bit, uh, put it in reverse. Uh, because at the same time as I go through the Gospel of John, uh, we're going to be looking at some notes by Harry Ironside. Uh I know a lot of people don't like this expression, but killing two birds with one stone, uh, we can get two things done at the same time, and I think that's very important. So we're in the series right now uh, that's entitled Learning from God. So with that said, I am going to get the uh, the reading up here. I actually should have done this last time, but I didn't. Uh, so you could follow along as I read. uh, I do make a few mistakes, or I add things to it sometimes. So uh, this address is actually on John the Baptist and the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's by Harry Ironside. So with that said, I'm just going to read this article and uh, or this particular address that was written by him. Now, there was a man, this is the scripture itself, this is verses 6 through 14 of the first chapter. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came as a witness to bear witness to the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light that was the uh, true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, we have seen already that Jesus is the eternal word, one uh, with the Father from the past ages, uh, that when everything that was ever began, to, uh, beca- became into existence, he was already there. He was not the beginning or began to be. He was, and he was the Word, and he was with God, and he was God, and he was the Son in the beginning with God. He never underwent any change in his personality. He was the Son of God all eternity ever had. He was the Son before all creation. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We've seen that in the uh, third verse of this chapter. He was really gripped. uh, Has that really gripped our hearts? Do we recognize to realize that the one who hung on the cross was the creator of the earth. Do we really believe that? I think people often misunderstand the sacrifice he made because they do not uh, apprehend who he was that made it. Now, Dr. W.P. McKay, Uh, in his book, Grace and Truth, tells how on one occasion, after preaching the word and setting forth the truth, a lady came up to him and said, I can't accept that. You can't accept what? asked Dr. McKay. Well, what you were telling us, that God allowed an innocent man to die for guilty men. That wasn't right. It wasn't right that guilty men should be saved in that way. He said, Madam, you have misunderstood the whole meaning of the gospel. The gospel is not an innocent man dying for the guilty men, but first declaring the gospel is that God became man, the one who had been sinned against, In divine grace became man that he might die for his creature's sin. On the cross, we do not see an innocent man dying for guilty men. We see an offended God giving himself, taking on humanity in order that the guilt of his creation or his creatures might be taken away. But is that righteousness? Madam, he replied, it is love. It is infinite love that leads him to give himself for us. That is the clear teaching of the gospel of John. He who died upon the cross was the creator of all things. He was the one who had been wronged, sinned against by the... A creature, And yet, when man could find no way to put his record straight or to escape judgment, he came in grace to deliver those who put their trust in him. Well, that's the gospel, folks. Now, in verse 6, we enter into the story of the incarnation. First, our attention is directed to his forerunner. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, verse 6. How often that had been true throughout the centuries when God had called out a man to carry the gospel to the lost people. How uh, frequently he had taken a man's name, John, in the Bible. We have John the Baptist, the Apostle John, John Mark, Ah. Uh, I missed my place there. Since then, there had been many Johns uh, whom the Lord called out to proclaim his word. When we come down through the days of the Reformers, we have John Knox, John Calvin, and later the great uh, revival of the 18th century, we have John Wesley sent from God to preach to those who knew nothing of assurance of salvation. I think, uh, I think one reason there are so many Johns is because the name appeals to the people of God. Uh, you know that John means in significance the grace of Jehovah, the grace of the Lord. John came to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He occupied a very unique place in scripture, testimony. We read, the law and the prophets until John, Luke sixteen sixteen. From that time, the kingdom of God was preached, a kingdom of grace and truth. John was the last of the prophets, and he was the first herald of the new dispensation. The Lord Jesus Christ said that of one born of women, there was not anyone greater than John. In what sense was John the greatest born of women? Because he was given to him not only to prophesy of, but actually to welcome the Christ, to baptize him in token of his identification with those of whom he came to die. As the baptizer of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the proclaimer of the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, uh, verse 29, John had the highest place among all the uh, prophets of brotherhood, not only of them, but the privilege that was given to him, notwithstanding, Jesus tells us, he is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he Matthew 11:11. 11, 11. Uh, what does all this mean uh, mean by that? Well, <clears> throat> my throat. Well it was given to John to call men to repentance in order to set up the kingdom of God here on earth. He opened a door to others, but he was not permitted to enter himself. Nevertheless, he had a very unique place in uh, revelation to the Lord Jesus Christ. He that had the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which stands and heareth him, rejoices greatly uh, because of the bridegroom's voice, 321 or 29. John was the bridegroom's friend and rejoiced in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He rejoiced in the glorious work he had accomplished and the greatness that was to be his. He said, I am not the Messiah. I am simply the bridegroom's friend. What a wonderful privilege that was. And when was never a humbler, less exalted servant of God than John the Baptist. When the question him as to his identity, he never exalted himself. And any demands of credentials, he said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. 123. You cannot see a voice, you can only hear it. John did not want them to become occupied with him. It was the delight simply to exalt the one who heralded he was and in the John became an example uh, for every servant of God. We are all too prone to want people to be occupied with us. We like to be through thought well of. And it hurts us a bit if people misunderstand us and speak unkindly. But all that was out of John's thoughts. He was concerned about, not concerned about himself. If only Christ could be glorified. The Apostle Paul was one who entered into that spirit. He His only concern was that Christ might be magnified either by life or by death and that was the special purpose of john the baptist the man sent from god verse 6. now it is a great thing when god lays hold of a man and says i want you to go to my uh, on my errand i'm quite sure he put hands upon me when i was 14 years old He said, I have saved your soul. I want you to go forth to preach the gospel. What a joy it had been for 50 years through uh, good and evil and proclaimed that great message. Sometimes a man goes on for a number of years before God puts his hand on him. Saul of Tarsus was a mature man beyond 30 years of age when the blessed Lord appeared to him on the Damascus road and said, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send you. Acts 26, verses 16 and 17. Now here, Came to He came to Peter when he was a man in the fishing business. He said, Peter, leave your fish behind and I will make you a fisher of men. He came to Matthew when he said at the publican's desk, someone had said that Matthew was probably the man who taught Peter to swear. <laughs> I, I thought this was kind of cute. Matthew was the Roman tax collector, and he was the Jewish Jew, putting heavy taxes upon his own people. Every time Peter brought a boatload of fish, it was Matthew's business to go down and say, give me 20% of those fish. Uh, I can't imagine Peter and Matthew wrangling over the selection uh, the government was to have. And Peter cursed and swore because of the tax collector's uh, exaction, But the Lord came to Matthew, the publican, and said, follow me. Matthew left his tax collecting desk for good and chose to write the first gospel. Now, I wonder if there's anyone reading these lines to whom God is speaking often in the still hours of the night, and you might have heard a voice saying, I want you as my servant, as my missionary, I want you to work for me in some special way. Are you saying, here am I, Lord, send me, as Isaiah said in chapter 6, verse 8, do not be afraid to yield to him, Someday people will say to you, there was a man or a woman sent from God. It was true of John. He is going to get rewarded for heeding the call when he stands at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, John came as a witness. That is what every minister should be, a witness. A witness does not tell the things he thinks. But he thinks, he knows. He came as a witness. He bears witness of the light. Does light need a witness? Yes. In a dark world uh, like this, when men are blind, they cannot see and they need a witness to the fact that the light has come. John knows that the world was blind, and he came to tell men of the light. The wonderful thing was this: when men receive and believe the message, uh, they they're lost, uh, their blindness they lose their blindness and are able to see. They beheld Christ's light, that all men through him might believe. Verse seven. Now. Who was the light? Our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the true light. And while we are at this point, let us draw your attention to the slightly different rendering of this verse. Here we read, that was the true light. Oh, there are so many false lights. There are so many false flickering lights that men follow to their ruin. There was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Verse 9. What does this mean? Or what does that mean? Does Christ give spiritual light to every man that comes into the world? Well, partly. He does give light through our consciences. And yet, I think there are more than that involved in the text I believe it is really this that was the true light which cometh into the world casting light on every man that is it is light in a man but light shineth on a man me I mean this the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world made up of wickedness made up of sinful men who rolled sin as a sweet morsel under their tongues. He came as the only holy man that ever walked this earth. And as he walked in and out among men, all other men were shown up in contrast. He cast light on every man. I wonder if among my readers, there are someone who has been saying to himself, I don't need this gospel. I am not a great sinner. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't robbed. I've done, didn't curse and swear. I am not a sinner. Wait a minute, my friend. Will you come and stand alongside the Lord Jesus Christ? There, you have a man in perfection. How does your life compare with his? How does your spirit, his words, and your ways of looking at things compare with his? Oh, when we stand alongside him, he casts light on us that the light shows up, all our spiritual and moral uh, deficiencies. That was the light which came into the world and cast light on every man. The law was given to one nation and one people. Amos calls it a plumb line, but which all crookedness could be detected. He was in mind the builder of a wall, one looking at it and said, that wall is not straight. The builder rescinds but when he takes a plumb line and drops it down by the wall, it manifests its imperfection. Here is a man who claimed to be perfect and God says, test him by my law, and you will find that he is crooked. Scripture says that a man will keep the whole law and yet offends in one point, he is guilty of all, James 2, 1. But Jesus answered every claim. He met it at every demand. In him is no sin, 1 John 3, 5. He knew no sin. 2nd Corinthians 521, he did no sin, for Peter 2.22, that is what man should be for God. When you take your place beside him, at once all your imperfections is shown up, he casts light upon you. Well, that is the true light which cometh into the world, casting light on every man, well, Has he only come to show up my sin? He has come to make manifest my imperfection. No need he must make me first see my need, but it is only that he may reveal himself as my savior. Now he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Verse 10, not one of his fellow uh, townsmen dreamed that God himself had come down to dwell among them. I remember as my wife and I were walking down the street of Nazareth, we went, uh, we were appalled by the dirt and the filth and the unclean children playing about in the open uh, sway, running down both sides of the street. As we were walking along, my wife began to weep. The tears were running down her cheek and I said, why my dear, what is the matter? Are you ill? Oh no, she said, but I was thinking of Mary and Jesus. Mary being up her holy child in a place, bringing up her child in a holy place like this, for it must have been ever worse than that it is now. You know how many uh, Oriental cities are vile and terrible. Some of you think you have smelled terrible things in America. But unless you have visited certain places uh, in the Orient, you haven't smelt anything yet. But Jesus grew up amidst all the filth and vile, like a pure white lily, coming up in a muddy contaminated water. And the bottom of the lake, Jesus, the pure Jesus, the Holy One, who was in the world and the creator of all things, and they knew him not, verse 10. He made their table and chairs and fitted in the doors and windows into the houses, and nobody realized that it was God himself walking among them until by and by he went to the cross and died for our sins. The A laid him away in a tomb, and on the third morning he burst the bands of death and arose in triumph. He is never to be humiliated again. He is the head of the new creation of those who trust him, are one with him in resurrected life. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Verse 11. The first, his own, is in the neuter. The second is personal. He, we may read, he came unto his own things. His own people did not receive him, yet he came into his own world. He created this world. He came into the world his hands had made. He came into his own country, his own cities, the city of Jerusalem. He came to his own temple in the sanctuary, every width of the utterance is glory, said David. He came into his own things, but his own people, the Jews, the people who had been waiting for him, presumably for all those hundreds of years, did not recognize him, and did not receive, and they received him not. Here you receive him. Have you received him? There were those who heard him speak, and they opened their hearts to him. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name verse 12 we have the whole truth of the way of salvation right here so far as our part is concerned god has sent him forth the prince and the savior and when we receive him we become become his do you say how many i avail myself of his saving grace Here here you have it, as many as receive him. To receive him is to trust him, to open your hearts to him. Have you received him? As many as received him. Do not make a a difficulty out of of that which is so simple. God has used the plainest possible terms. Jesus came unto me and I will give him rest. Uh, Jesus said that, and I will give him rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Believe on me, and you will have eternal life. Look to me, and you will be saved. Receive me, and I will make you my own. To receive him, uh, though... Th- Through the heart's door wide, throw the heart's door wide, and he will come in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and receive him, and will sup with him, and he with me, Revelation 3.20. There's a beautiful gospel song that says, You may open the door. You may open the door. Jesus will not force his way in. Will you open the door? Will you let him in? At this very moment, you can bow your head, open your heart, and say, I want you to come in and be Lord of my life. Won't you receive him? As many as receive him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. You see, men are not God's children by nature, natural birth. Jesus says to a certain group of his day, ye are your fathers, the devil John eight forty four. <clears throat> and of all who are saved, the apostle said who were at once time children of wrath, Ephesians 2, 3. We are born of sinful flesh. In order to become children of God, we need to be regenerated. As many as receive him, to receive him is to believe in his name and take him at his word and trust him. Do not try to make a great mystery of faith. Faith is simply putting your amen To what God says. We receive the witness of men. Some men come to us in whom we have uh, confidence. We believe what He tells us. We receive the witness of men. Very well, God has given His witness concerning His Son. Do you receive His testimony into your heart? Would you dare make God a liar? by refusing to believe the testimony he has given concerning his son. Notice what is said of those who believe in his name. To as many as receive him, to them gave he the power or authority to become the children of God. They are three ways by which you cannot become a child of God. First, when we are born, not of blood. Verse 13. That means that even if a parent were two of the best Christians that ever lived, they cannot give a divine life. They cannot communicate their new nature to you. It is only God who can do it. You are not a child of God by blood. Second, nor by the will of flesh. Verse 13b. You cannot simply make yourself a Christian by your own will. It is not of him that willeth, or of him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy. Romans 9.16. Here is a man who says, Well, I haven't any employment so I will become a soldier. He finds that he must have a uniform, so he goes to the outfitter shop and buys a uniform. He comes down the street wearing an imagine, imagine he is a soldier. We may inquire, how did you become a soldier? Well, I put on a uniform and I am a soldier. Does that make him a soldier? Certainly not. He must be enlisted. No man can become a Christian by simply saying, from now on, I am a Christian. That does not make him a Christian. You must come to God as a sinner and by trying to be, to be better, but by letting God make you a new creation, creature. Third, nor by the will of man, uh, verses 13c, no one on earth can make you a Christian. People imagine some minister or priest can make Christians of them by baptizing our sacraments, but they cannot save you. You must be born again, John 3, 7. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God alone produces what the new life in the soul of every believer in His blessed, who believe in His blessed Son. Now the last, uh, the last verse in this section. And the word was made flesh, verse 14. That is not the best translation. Actually, as we have remarked already, the word was never made anything. The word became flesh. Linked that up with the first verse. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh. He was not one with, and he was one with the Father from all eternity because man, be, eternity became man. He, it means he took upon him our humanity, uh, our humanity, body, soul, and spirit, He became a man, and yet he was God. He dwelt among us. The word dwelt means to render tabernacle among us. uh, Of old, God dwelt in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Now he has manifested in his son. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we beheld the glory, the divine glory, shining out. John lived with him, walked with them, prayed with them. He saw the holy life, the glory, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. These words were written by one who knew Jesus particularly all his life, He was related to him by nature, by natural ties, and he must have known him when he was growing up there in Nazareth. One of the early church historians tells us that John was an adolescent when Christ called him to be a fisher of men. He spent three and a half years of most intimate fellowship with Jesus. And he was the one who leaned on Jesus' breast as the Last Supper. He was probably among 90 years of age when he wrote the book. He looked back when, over the years, he said, we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. That revelation he shared with us as he penned these wonderful chapters. And that ends our reading of the Gospel uh, of John, or the life of John, I should say, uh, John the Baptist. And John the Apostle was the one who wrote uh, all about uh, John the Baptist. So with that said, I'm going to end our our recording today. So with that said, bye for now.